0: Good morning, Outlook family. Sure is good to see everyone this morning. We are continuing our recurring series that we call Live Free. In this series, we focus on the overlap between our spiritual maturity and discipleship to Jesus and our mental health and emotional well-being. Now, let's just pause for a second and ask, why would a church spend time focusing on mental health? Aren't we just supposed to be preaching Jesus and teaching the Bible? And I would say, yes, you're exactly right, actually. The Bible is full of wisdom for living our actual human lives. And Jesus is always concerned about the flourishing of our souls. And so when we do turn to the subject that we call mental and emotional health, the state of our soul trying to navigate our actual human lives, we find that God's Word and Jesus and and life in Christ are immediately relevant to that subject, that they actually go together. If this is a subject that's interesting to you or something you need to learn more about and want to learn more about how God's Word intersects with mental and emotional health, you can always go to outlookchurch.org slash mentalhealth, where all the Live Free sermons from the last two or three years, and other resources, can they all live on that page online. So you can check that out anytime and just kind of download the whole the whole thing so far of how we've been uh, addressing and handling this important topic. This month, we are focus, focusing specifically on our relationships, on our relationships. The significant aspect of life in God is life with God others, as that small group video demonstrated so well. Loving people, forgiving people, communicating with them, resolving conflict with them, and no small part of our mental and emotional health flows from how well we foster healthy, flourishing relationships. So they really do go together. Last week, Kate Mangano, our Connection and Care Minister, kicked off the series. Didn't she do a great job? I just want to express my appreciation. Really, really great kickoff. She talked about how we crave true belonging as human beings. We are connected in our society today. In fact, in some ways, we might feel more connected than ever, yet we're also more isolated than ever, it seems. Our loneliness is technically at epidemic proportions, and that is leaving us increasingly unable to function and really is slowly killing us. Today, we're exploring The subject of self-awareness as we examine the question, who is this me I bring into every relationship? We're going to talk about having healthy relationships. We got to start by looking at ourselves. Who is this me that I bring into every single one of my relationships? And what we're going to see today is that we cannot afford to ignore ourselves, now, if we're honest, we don't really know ourselves sometimes, don't really know the answer to this question or even how to answer it. Our ignorance, our denial, perhaps, of so much of who we are can leave us immature and ill equipped for loving and relationshiping. I'm going to invent a new word here, relationshiping well. So let's dive into this question and potential ways we can answer it by hearing some super potent words. From Jesus. I'm going to read this passage, words from Jesus, then we're going to pray, and then we'll move through it together. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your your eye, then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Let's pray together. Father, as we open up your word, as we let these words from Jesus, spoken out loud so long ago, but preserved and written and captured in your holy word, and now landing on our ears today, let Jesus teach us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Jesus is warning against judging and being judgmental, being a judgmental person, which is corrosive to any relationship. But this picture that he paints, this, this analogy that he's using, it, like so many word pictures that he gives us, it's deeply insightful generally, in this case, into how human relationships work and how, what they need to work well. He has great insight into our own human psychology. And so let's move through what Jesus has to say here, thought by thought. He begins by asking a question. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So let's attempt to answer by first admitting that he's right, okay? You got us here, Jesus. You see right through us. We often do not pay attention, pay we, we really do pay no attention, or at least very little, to ourselves. Uh, we don't always want to even want to look at ourselves, right? We'd rather not do that, especially perhaps when it comes to our relationships, because we easily see all the ways others could do better by us, right? Our relationship with so-and-so would only be better if they would, or if they would stop, right? Whatever it might that is obvious to us. If everyone could just figure it out, understand that how smart we are, everything would go better, right? But remember what we said a couple of Sundays ago. Jesus is paying attention to you. He loves you, knows you deeply, wants to walk with you, and wants to teach you about one of his favorite subjects, you. So as we walk with Jesus, as we learn from Jesus, He will want to teach us about ourselves. So while we may want to pay no attention, we can count on the fact that Jesus is paying close attention and will turn our attention to what he knows is going on in us. He wants to teach us how to love by learning first to receive love. And that means addressing some things and getting them out of the way. We are, Jesus says, to love others as we love ourselves. But some of us stink at loving ourselves. And when we talk about self-knowledge, what some of us hear is self-loathing and self-hatred. I don't really like myself. I don't want to know more about myself. I spend most of my time trying to avoid myself. But Jesus calls us to something more. And there's no way we can talk about are human relationships flourishing without spending some time talking about the attention that we ought to pay to ourselves. In fact, paying attention, whatever we're paying attention to in life is powerful. Where we turn our attention really steers our lives. And so Jesus is calling us here, why do you pay no attention to the very thing that, you sh- that should demand your f- most focused attention? He goes on, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? This is all of us. We have to admit it. We all have blind spots. We fail to see. And in these blind spots, we hurt others and ourselves, often unintentionally. That's what a blind spot does, right? It makes us clumsy, we don't see where we're going, we say things we didn't understand how they landed on someone, or we, we react in ways that we didn't even realize we were, all because we have these blind spots we fail to see because there's something in the way that we've not paid attention enough to work on removing. So let's start with how many of our planks got there, to use Jesus' word picture here. Major things that trip us up in our relationships things again who is the me that i'm bringing into every relationship the kinds of baggage the kinds of history the kinds of things that we bring with us wherever we go let's let's uh this is going to be a little bit of a deep dive here for a moment and and so we're going to look at at four types of things that we're bringing into every relationship that without paying attention to them can really end up getting in the way and creating blind spots so the first one we're gonna call attachments unformed. Kate did a great job last Sunday introducing us to the concept of attachment theory. Attachment theory observes that the bonds or attachments that we form or fail to form as children, with our parents, our caregivers, will have effects throughout our lives as we then seek to form relationships that we want to be fulfilling and secure, But then often we're unable to do that or they're not fulfilling and secure because we're struggling to meet our needs and work out our issues that went unmet when we were young or were issues that were introduced way back then. Attachments that fail to form early in life leave us with a vacuum, a deep need that then we struggle to try to fill in all kinds of ways, usually dysfunctionally in the end. Uh, through our relationships as we move through adulthood. So some of the things that we bring into every relationship are the unformed or malformed attachments that we just didn't, weren't able to get uh, when we needed them most. So many of our histories will include something about that. Um, and we have to recognize that. It's a powerful factor in our own uh, mental and emotional health. Second thing is the patterns that we've caught along the way, especially as we were growing up. The norms and the values of our families of origin are tremendously formative to us. Uh, The way love was or was not shown, how conflict was or was not handled, and on and on. Such patterns of thinking and communicating and behaving are brought with us into every one of our relationships. We may not even know it, really, at first. It was just kind of the water we were swimming in all that time in, in our lives, but it was forming us in ways that we might end up realizing later as we move into our adult relationships. Thirdly, there are the wounds that go sometimes untreated. We add to this the ways we've been hurt, burned, Uh, betrayed, damaged, you name it, the tough stuff that's happened to us. We carry that also into each of our relationships. When such wounds and traumas are ignored, as they often are, many times we just stuff them down, right, so we can move on, they get infected, so to speak. And naturally, then we get reactive. And we say and do often counterproductive things that end up affecting our relationships, all coming out of our woundedness. We all come into our lives uh, where we pick up through our lives, wounds, bruises, hurts, brokenness. And when we don't address it, if we pay no attention, it ends up affecting our relationships without a doubt. And all of this naturally leads to some dependencies that can develop, coping methods, how we manage the pain or escape the feelings of regret, or grief, or responsibility, or maybe just the memories of abuse, or attack, or just a deep lack of support, or affection, you name it. But we end up developing ways, putting up armor, or creating some uh, addictions that end up hurting us in the end. Rarely are such coping mechanisms good for us, right? They inflict more damage, create, like I said, addictions or dependencies that end up sabotaging our relationships. So man, this is, this is complex. There's a lot going on in each of us, and it does affect our relationships. Planks in our eyes that blind us, blockages in our souls that bind us, keep us from giving and receiving love, robbing us of healthy, flourishing relationships. But there is hope. It's right here, amidst all of these, that life in Christ meets us, and God supplies what we need in each of these areas. God calls Himself our Father, and in His deep and overflowing love, every one of our attachment needs can find its fulfillment. Anything we've lacked, and we all move through life with some level of lack, He longs to fill. Such an intimate bond is the crux of His salvation for us. The idea that He wants to do life with us, that He loves us completely and unconditionally, that as we place our faith in Him, we are accepted by Him, and we are secure in His love. Growing in the wisdom of Christ and enjoying the fellowship he provides in his household that we call the church resets the mold of how we behave and respond, replacing patterns that we now no longer, that, that we now see no longer serve us or anyone around us very well. We learn new patterns. We are formed early in life, we are transformed. By Jesus. Jesus is a healer and guides us gently into wholeness when it comes to the wounds we collect throughout life. That's a huge subject. And His Spirit living in us empowers us to overcome and to leave behind the crutches that we cobbled together to make it through. He understands and now gives us the strength we need As we discover, we can depend on Him and find ultimate satisfaction in belonging to Him. There is nothing that has happened throughout our lives that God is not there to heal, to supply, to replenish, to restore. He knows and understands all of it. There are are plenty of ways and reasons to find hope for ourselves and for our relationships. So before we go on, let's talk about how we can live into what we've been talking about here, live into this. I, if I have something in my eye, to back, back to Jesus' uh, word picture here, what do I do? I either go straight to a mirror or I find someone I trust who can look at me, right? Do I have something in my eye, right? Take a look. Help me out here. So let's think about that for a second. I'm reminded of James chapter 1. James says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. This has a lot to do with our idea of developing our own self-awareness. And James is painting a picture here that opening God's word and letting it speak to us and putting it into practice, however imperfectly, but taking it seriously enough to apply to my life is very similar to looking into a mirror, learning something about myself, and then when I put God's word into practice, it's like remembering what I look like, taking that knowledge what I've learned about myself and applying it as I move forward in life. But when I look at God's word and then just kind of forget all about it, it's the same as looking in the mirror and then forgetting what I look like. God's word is like a mirror. It shows me, Myself. And so that one way we live into this is to let God teach us through His Word. That comes in our own personal time reading the scriptures. It comes in moments like this when we're gathered together and letting God's word be taught to us. It comes uh, to us when we're in small group with our Bibles open and we get to encourage and sharpen each other. But God's word open before us is like a mirror. And when we apply it to our lives, We are very much learning about ourselves, seeing ourselves in his light, and that really helps us to know what to do as we move forward in the areas that we've talked about. And then the other thing that that might happen when one of us has something in our eye is we find someone we trust who can take a look. And so let me just go ahead and build on this theme that we're focusing on all month and that we've already been referring to, and that is our small groups here at Outlook. Groups, we say a lot, are where we know and are known. Being known and getting to know ourselves is exactly what we're talking about here, and groups are where that can happen. Help me with the plank in my eye. My human relationships really need me to pay attention to that, but I can't do it by myself, right? The need we have for, uh, uh, more groups is constant. Just Friday afternoon alone, we had seven people uh, reach out, seven households reach out, saying that they're interested in a new group, the joining a group. That was just one afternoon, just on Friday, and we're constantly meeting people whose number one request, as they find Outlook and begin to uh, enjoy being a part of our overall fellowship, is where can I find a small group? And so finding. The, the people who will lead such groups and seeing, we, we talked about this in May, but I'm bringing it back because it's just this important. We have about 20 or so small groups right now, yet we need more groups. Immediately, we need to see more people step up and say, I'm interested in forming a group, leading a group. The need is constant. I'm just reminding you right now that what we're talking about here in, the ter- in terms of our flourishing human relationships We cannot do that alone. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But we want are praying for more and more of this so that one day there are just dozens of groups throughout uh, our area of the world who are all circled up, focusing on Jesus, helping each other take the planks out of each other's eyes and uh, learning how to do relationships well, how to do life well, how to live and enjoy life in Jesus. Amen? See, we're a church committed to your actual spiritual growth. That's why we talk about mental health. That's why we talk about why maturity in Jesus will foster maturity in our own mental and emotional health. It is easy to confuse, when you think about uh, church or coming together or how to do church, it's easy to confuse hype with hope. Big events and lots of positive vibes that just, that that when we go home, just leave us unhealed and unknown, just like before. That might be easy to do, easy to produce, easy to manufacture or make happen, easy to put on the calendar. But steady, genuine hope comes from actual relationships, we're hurting in our world today. Relationships are straining and strained, and our ability to really be with other people is fading fast. And yet, it is the one thing we actually need. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's an essential ingredient when it comes to the idea of being a disciple of Jesus. We are failing to see far too often as human beings, but we don't have to. And that, 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 is where the hope lies. Back to Jesus' words here. He goes on. He says, you hypocrite. Ooh, that seems kind of harsh, right? Like, um, but really, I think it's an honest diagnosis. Because what he's saying here is, when we're operating the way he's describing here, hypocrite is a good word for it. Because that mean, the word hypocrite means pretender, mask, wearer, faker, false-faced, Uh, And it gets to something. That really speaks to something, and that is the idea we're operating in our false selves. We're not known to ourselves, and we're not letting ourselves be known to others. When I have a plank in my eye and I pretend I don't, then I'm I'm not doing anyone any favors, and there's no way my human relationships are going to thrive. When I'm working hard to ignore the planks, pretending they're not there, and convincing myself I'm fine... I'm in no place for personal growth, spiritual growth, or relationship growth. Amen? And it's an exhausting way to live. We've all been there. We can find ourselves there on any given day. But Jesus is calling us out, saying, don't pretend. Instead, he goes on. First, take the plank out of your eye. Oh, when you put it like that, it sounds simple, right? First, take the plank out. Now, he says first, and part of us wants, especially when we think of our human relationships, again, part of us wants to say, yeah, 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 but so-and-so, don't they need to do something first? Right? Don't they need to apologize, or don't they need to figure this out and stop doing that? You know, we have, we have this idea that maybe it's not us first, maybe it's them first, someone else. Sometimes, and sometimes, let's acknowledge, it really is the other person's fault. You might be in a relationship um, challenge in which someone really is doing something, they injure, someone's injuring, abusing, betraying us. But the fact is, when relationship issues are chronic, we can only blame others for so long. So first, Jesus says, take your own plank out. Do the work. Don't just talk about it. Don't just read about it. Just don't agree it's a good idea or intend to get around to it. Pay attention to yourself. Your baggage. Your relationships can heal, and those in them will be grateful when each of us takes the time to pay attention to what's going on in us. Who is this me I bring into every relationship? It's good to take inventory. What attachments were made or not made as I was growing up that I'm now seeking to fulfill? What wounds were ignored? Maybe they've gotten infected. What patterns did I pick up long ago? What coping mechanisms have I employed that have developed even into dependencies? We are a collection of all of these, as well as strengths and talents and insights. We bring it all knowingly and often unknowingly into every relationship we have at home, at work, at school, I'm reading a book right now called Anatomy of the Soul. It talks about the connections between neuroscience and spiritual practices. It's by a Christian uh, psychiatrist. His name's Dr. Kurt Thompson. And at one point, he talks about something called implicit memory. It's kind of a way you would describe all the things we've put up here so far. Those things that we carry into every relationship are stored in our brains as implicit memory, he says. Neurons that fire together because, uh, and when they do fire together, they are wired together. We've all learned about the grooves and the pathways that can be forged in our brains, and so we develop patterns of thinking, ways of reacting. They're like a plank in our eye. Our reacting, our interpreting of situations, how we communicate, all those things get forged, and we have to sometimes build new patterns, He observes that it's not hard to imagine the almost infinite ways that our our implicit memory, these things that we carry into each relationship, they're kind of like barnacles we've picked up along the way in all of our travels that are sticking to the whole of our personality, that they may be creating our future without us even really fully realizing it, firing in the same wiring that's been repeatedly formed in an unconscious, reactive way. And he says this at one point, even if you are a follower of Jesus, you may not understand why you repeatedly, why you repeatedly behave in ways that get you and others close to you into trouble. As you pay more attention, right, back from what Jesus says earlier in this passage, as you pay more attention to this possibility, you will become aware of what Jesus is doing in real time and space to facilitate healing and renew your mind. Jesus wants to be active in that implicit memory, helping us to overcome those traumas and to get healed and to form new patterns and to develop the right attachments and on and on, like we've talked about. Freeing us from repeating our mistakes or rehearsing the same reactions and overreactions again and again. Research has shown, and most, uh, most folks would understand this intuitively. Uh, research in marriage and family therapy suggests that approximately 80% of the emotional conflict between couples is rooted in events that predate the couple ever meeting, right? It's a stuff that we carry into each of our relationships. Back to the book for a moment, a little bit, uh, a couple more quotes. As, he, as you contemplate, he writes, the recurring conflicts in your own life, anyone have any recurring conflicts or are they all just one-offs, right? No. As you contemplate the recurring conflicts in your own life, he says, I encourage you to consider how often you automatically react to other people's words, actions, and body language in ways that seem to harm rather than restore your relationships. Planks in our eyes that keep tripping us up. Honestly, he goes on, honestly evaluating your reactions enables you to redirect the focus of your search for a solution to a problem back to yourself, which is what we've been talking about this morning. At first glance, this may not seem pleasant, but there is great freedom in this discovery. And he's right. There is great freedom in the things we discover about ourselves. Why? Because when you and I gain insight into ourselves, we now bring that insight in that the, what we've learned about ourselves and how we grow. That new, that newly grown self is brought into now every one of our relationships. We improve in one area. All our relationships have the chance now to improve. We learn something about ourselves. We gain a bit of maturity. We uh, you know, discover an insight as to why we do what we do and how we can maybe begin to do something different instead and rewire those grooves in our brain. All our relationships benefit. And that is tremendously freeing. Jesus concludes Then you will see clearly to remove the spectrum of brother's eye. He doesn't leave this part out. The fact is we do need each other. I can help my brother or sister remove something from their eye. I need their help to remove things from mine. Jesus doesn't leave out the fact that as we pay attention to ourselves, we'll get better at loving and helping others too. Justin quoted the passage last week. Carry each other's burdens, Galatians 6.2. And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. This idea that we need each other is something we cannot ever afford to forget. I cannot encourage you enough that as we tackle subjects like, or touch on really, subjects like we did today, there might be a very wise need for you to find a counselor, a therapist, or sit down and talk to a pastor or spiritual director. Someone who can help you begin to examine all the things, the planks that you bring with you into each of your relationships. And this kind of helping each other happens here every Monday evening at Celebrate Recovery. Every Monday night, folks gather together to support each other as they seek to overcome by the Lord's help their hurts, their habits, and their hangups. So much of our mental and emotional health comes down to good, life-giving relationships. And so much of our relationship, and whether they flourish or fail, is based on our mental and emotional health. So we're, we've been asking the question, and I want to turn our attention back to it as we begin to contemplate communion. Who is this me I bring into every relationship? As you take the bread and cup in your hand just now, every week we remind ourselves of the answer to this question. Every week when we take the bread, we remind ourselves that we are, who, who am I? Who is this me that I bring into every relationship? I want to remember that it is, it is a me who is loved and valued. And I remember that because he let his body be broken for me. Let's take and eat together. Who is this me I bring into every relationship? This me is forgiven, healed, rescued. I remember that when I think of his blood shed for me on the cross. Let's take and drink together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you do love us so very much. And the thing that you love to do most is to help us discover that, very, that, that we are loved, uh, to receive that love, to be, to be good receivers of the love that you have for us is the prerequisite for ever being good givers of, that, of love to others. It's only when we operate out of that place of being loved that we can begin to let this kind of healing and wholeness that we've been talking about flow. And so I pray that for us all, Lord. Whatever insights, Holy Spirit, each individual one of us needs from this message today, do your work. Point out those areas gently, lovingly, as you're so good at doing, teaching us what we need to know about ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.